Good morning. I'm Mike Greenberg at the Seaport in New York. We have lots of sports news to get to for you this morning. Steph Curry and LeBron James on the same team. How close was it to actually of happening? And should it? Did LeBron make a big mistake staying in L.A.? We have an NBA crew to talk it all over. Plus, the Cowboys have brought back a familiar face from their glory days. Is Mike Zimmer the right fit to lead Dallas's defense into the future? And with NFL free agency right around the corner, I will bring you the top five teams under the most pressure to win the offseason. All that and more of our regular sports conversation. But we begin as we must with this developing story in Kansas City where a mass shooting at the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory celebration has left one person dead and 21 others wounded. Officials say 15 of the victims have life-threatening conditions. Six others have minor injuries. Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City says it is treating 11 children among its shooting victims. Kansas City police say three suspects have been detained and are under investigation. Officials did not immediately release any details about the people who were detained or about a possible motive for the shootings. Here's Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves. I'm angry at what happened today. The people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment. We had over 800 law enforcement officers, Kansas City and other agencies, at the location to keep everyone safe. Because of bad actors, which were very few, this tragedy occurred. Among the outpouring of support for the victims, Patrick Mahomes, as you see here, made a brief post on social media saying, praying for Kansas City. Travis Kelsey posted, I am heartbroken over the tragedy that took place today. My heart is with all who came out to celebrate with us and have been affected. Casey, you mean the world to me. The National Football League in a statement said, we are deeply saddened by the senseless shooting that occurred today near the end of the rally in Kansas City for the Chiefs. Our thoughts are with the victims and everyone affected. We are grateful for the quick and thorough response of law enforcement and emergency personnel. We will continue to follow this story. Of course, if there are any updates of consequence throughout the morning, we'll bring them to you immediately here on ESPN. In the meantime, we'll bring you the rest of what we would normally bring on a sports morning here. And let's start with the best NBA game of the night. Steph Curry and the Warriors have been hot of late, and they put a winning streak on the line last night against the Clippers. It was good action, and you saw it here on ESPN. Three minutes to go in the third. The Warriors are up by 10. Gary Payton a save. Steph Curry a three. He's the first player in NBA history with seven or more threes in four straight games, and the Warriors had an 11-point lead. Then we got a skirmish here early in the fourth quarter. Mason Plumley contested by Draymond Green. You'll see Brandon Pojemski with the rebound, hacked by Plumley. Plumley would get a flagrant one. You got Green involved in a conversation. Paul George involved in a conversation. Ultimately, Tyron Lue would get ejected. Now take another look. You take a look and see what you see here. Plumley hacking away at Pojemski. Here it is. The hack, one, two, three. Again, it's a flagrant one. And so on it would go. And afterwards, the Clippers would say all this motivated them. Clippers up by one in the fourth. Uh, and that's a loose ball. That's Steph Curry knocking down his ninth three of the game. He would score 41 on the night. Now we're under four minutes left in the game. Clippers down by two. Norman Powell, yes. Clippers up by one. Clippers up by three here, and it's Powell again. Clippers win it 130 to 125. And afterwards, Steph Curry with an honest assessment of the Warriors' performance. 
very average. Very average doesn't get it done in this league, so you got to, you know, we need to make a run, hit a stride that you win every game here and steal some on the road. But we've been very average so far, so got to regain that home court fear that we've, you know, been accustomed to in the past. All right, and so Steph is exactly right as Monica McNutt jumps in for a quick conversation here. We'll do much more later in the hour, but, but the, you can't be any more average than the Warriors are. They're 26 and 26. Is there any way you see this team with championship pedigree making a real run as this season goes on, Monica? Greedy, to me, it would qu- require sort of that vintage small ball death lineup that allowed them to win at least their first championship for sure. And I just don't know if that is sustainable in this era of NBA basketball. It's kind of ironic. In many ways, teams began to shift to be able to be prepared to defend a team like the Warriors. But we're seeing a trend, particularly when you look at the top four teams in the Western Conference right now, where size is back. And although they were only out-rebounded by one in totality of this ballgame, late in the fourth quarter when the Clippers turned it on, to me, you could feel the physicality and the size that the Clippers had. They came up with some huge second-chance opportunities in terms of rebounds when the Warriors desperately needed stops if they were going to win that ballgame. You know what they need? They need LeBron James. If only they could find a way to add him to the lineup. I'm telling you right now, it would have been a genius move. All right, stay close, Monica. We're going to get you and Zach Lowe in the conversation a little bit. We'll have much more on the NBA as we work our way towards the All-Star break. Monica is there in Indianapolis. In the meantime, big news from the NFL. Major coaching change coming out of San Francisco yesterday. The 49ers, just days after losing the Super Bowl, firing their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, who was there just one season. In a conference call with reporters, Kyle Shanahan said he realized, quote, going a different direction was something I have to do. San Francisco will now be looking for its third defensive coordinator in as many seasons. That because D'Amico Ryans parlayed the job he did last year into a head coaching job, and he did magnificently well. But the reality is Wilkes had a better year this year than Ryan's had had the previous year. Look at the numbers. I mean, everything on that right-hand column looks better. And in the Super Bowl, the 49ers only allowed one touchdown to Patrick Mahomes in regulation, and that came immediately after that crazy punt play that hit the guy in the foot. What I'm trying to say is, as we bring our football crew in, you see Tim Hasselbeck, Harry Douglas, and here's my man Damian Woody. Steve Wilkes is by no means, the defense is by no means the reason they lost the Super Bowl on Sunday. What do you think of this move? I was shocked, Grady. When, when, when I saw Schefter tweeted that, it like, like my jaw dropped because I saw the job that Steve Wilkes had done with his defense. We know that there's been like a lineage of defensive coordinators that's come through and has done a, a tremendous job mm-hmm. uh, with, with the San Francisco 49ers defense. And yes, he doesn't run the exact same scheme that Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans run, but obviously with the numbers that you showed, he did better than what D'Amico Ryans did the prior, the prior two years. And when I, look at, when I look at this whole year, especially in the Super Bowl, where were those five all pro offensive players on, on offense for the San Francisco 49ers? Mm-hmm. Okay, the genius, the genius play calling Kyle Shanahan. What, ha- what happened to those guys? Again, just like you pointed out, this uh, San Francisco 49ers defense only gave up one touchdown, and that was after a muff punt, what we call, you know, like after a turnover. Yeah. So the fact that you're going to relieve the defensive coordinator of his duty, it just feels to me that Kyle Shanahan doesn't get it. Where's the. Where, Where's the accountability on his part 
as far as why he keeps falling short in these big moments. Absolutely. Uh, Steve Wilkes is not the one who didn't use his timeouts at the end of the second quarter in the Super Bowl. Steve Wilkes is not the one who called eight runs on nine play calls at the beginning of the third quarter when he had a chance to take over the game. Steve Wilkes, to my knowledge, is not the one who said, hey, let's take the ball if we win the coin toss in overtime, even though every person walking the face of planet Earth knows that's a terrible decision. So one way or another, Steve Wilkes had a better day on Sunday than his boss did, and his boss fired him yesterday. What do you think of that, Harry Douglas? Uh, I think it's terrible. I was appalled. I was also disappointed. When you look at that Super Bowl game, it wasn't Steve Wilkes on the first drive offensively. Uh, it was Christian McCaffrey that fumbled that football. It wasn't Steve Wilkes that missed the extra point that would have put the Kansas City Chiefs probably in a different situation towards uh, regulation. That was Jake Moody. Also, it was not Steve Wilkes who was on offense after getting two turnovers and couldn't score one point off of those turnovers and actually had the ball coming out of halftime after the interception at the 44-yard line of the Kansas City Chiefs and couldn't get any points. So we're sitting up here watching Steve Wilkes get scapegoated again, and this is the third time, Greeny. That's why I'm kind of fired up about this in Arizona. He was a head coach for one year. They let him go. In Carolina, after Matt Rule did a terrible job, it was Steve Wilkes that brought positivity to the Carolina Panthers. They they gave the ball to uh, the, the coaching job to Frank Wright only to fire him a year later. And now we see this in San Francisco just doesn't make sense to me. And if for Kyle Shanahan, if you felt like from a schematic standpoint that he wasn't the guy, wouldn't you review that before you hire him for the job? That's just my logic and my thinking. Yeah, if the defense he runs is not the defense that Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans run, that shouldn't have come as a surprise. Uh, right. That's not something that you find out halfway through the season. You look up and say, wait a minute, this isn't the defensive scheme that we've been running all these years. That was fairly evident beforehand. Uh, Steve Wilkes has been around the league forever. Tim Hasselbeck, what do you make of all this? Yeah, I don't know what else can be said, to be honest with you. I agree with the guys on this one. And um, look, I, I think that, you know, to Harry's point, the job that Steve Wilkes did in Carolina in some ways was remarkable. There are a lot of people that thought that they would maybe get the job. He would become the head coach there because of the job that he did. And so, look, this does not feel like a production thing whatsoever. We had the full screen up to start this segment. Like it, The production was there. The defense was really good. And so, uh, you know, I think as you look at this, it's hard to make sense of it. Now, I don't know if it's a scapegoat thing, if it's a personality thing, but the reality is, like, for Steve Wilkes, uh, it's also a bad timing thing because – because he did a good job, because he's getting let go at this point, there aren't landing spots at this stage of the hiring process for a guy that was a defensive coordinator that just coordinated a pretty good defense in a Super Bowl. So, look, I think it's bad at every level, and I don't really know what else you can end up saying about it. I think that's exactly right. I hadn't thought of that part of it, but that actually is – the ultimate um, punctuation on the conversation. I mean, Steve Wilkes, where is he going to turn now? You're going right. to wind up – someone will hire him, obviously, because he's an extremely well-known, well-respected coach around the league. He'll get a job. But certainly all of the ones that someone like him would want, one would think, have been taken by now. The, the whole thing just doesn't 
sit well, right? I, look, I mean, they can make whatever decisions they want with their coaching staff. I'm not here to tell them what they should and shouldn't or couldn't, couldn't do. But this one just does not seem to pass the smell test. Yeah, it, it reeks to me. I think Harry brought up, you know, his points about the, the, his previous stops, particularly with the Carolina Panthers, the yeah. job he did as an interim. A lot of people did think that he was going to get the head coach job only to not get it and then Frank Wright get it. And then he gets fired during the season the, the, the following year. Uh, again, the job that, that Steve Wilkes had done with the with the San Francisco 49ers this year well, it was a really remarkable job. He doesn't run the same scheme as those prior two defensive coordinators, but nonetheless, he had a tremendous year. And to fire a defensive coordinator that was literally coaching in the Super Bowl, it just makes you scratch your head. And I, I just yeah, I, I feel for the guy because again, the, the hiring cycle is is basically over, and all the all the defensive coordinator jobs are filled. Yeah, the hiring cycle is over. It turns out the firing cycle still had one more move left in it. All right, we're just getting started on this Thursday. Coming up, did you hear what one Cowboys legend, maybe the greatest of them all, said about the current team in Big D? You're going to hear it. The question is, is he right? The answer, by the way, is yes. So we'll dive into that. Plus, the Warriors made a big push for LeBron at the deadline. Did he make a big mistake not joining forces with his greatest rival? We'll dive into that as this hour rolls on. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are back on Get Up, and let's do some off-season quarterback questions as we dive into the off-season. D. Wood, let's start with you. Where do you think Justin Fields is going to land? Yeah, I think the Atlanta Falcons make so much sense, Greeny. You talk about a guy, dynamic uh, dual-threat quarterback in Justin Fields playing indoors in, in Atlanta with all those weapons. You talk about Kyle Pitts, Drake London, B. John Robinson. You know, everyone talks about, you, you know, the passing and the inaccuracy in this in this game as far as that's concerned. Well, guess what? He'd be throwing to some big targets. Kyle Pitts, 6'6", Drake London, 6'4". I think that situation down there makes a lot of sense. I like everything about it. Plus, it's his hometown. He'd be headed back home. Hey, Tim Hasselbeck, how about Russell Wilson? Where do you think he lands? 
Listen, I think there's a chance Russell Wilson is out of football. Like, I, I'm not sure that there's definitely a landing spot for him. He's older. Oh. I think that it's fair to say that his game is diminished. I think in terms of, you know, the leadership component that you typically want from a veteran quarterback that comes in, I think it's fair to have questions about that. And so he's made a lot of money. He's due a lot of money. And so I don't know that there's definitely a spot for him that he would take. Fascinating to watch. Uh, let's get to Dak. Harry, how should the Cowboys handle him this offseason? Honestly, Greeny, I, I feel like they should extend him. Number one, you don't want a 59-plus million dollar cap hit if you're the Dallas Cowboys. But where are you going to get better uh, from what we've seen from Dak Prescott this season? In totality, the entire season, you look at the connection between him and CeeDee Lamb. Also, Jake Ferguson really came along. Brandon Cook started to hit. Uh, midway through the season as well. So I think the Dallas Cowboys should extend Dak Prescott. They have so many questions this offseason. But the one thing, the one word that seems to come up the most as we talk about the Cowboys through all the individual players and people and problems that they have is the word culture. And when it comes from Emmett Smith, I think you really need to pay attention. In case this got buried amidst all the other conversation that came out of Super Bowl week, and D-Wood, you have, I, D Wood said to me in the meeting, I want to hear this live for the first time, or on the air. So yep. you're hearing these words for the first time. Here's what Emmett Smith said. He said, I'm tired of being sold on what the Cowboys could be. I'm tired. I've had enough of it because I'm more about what the Cowboys really are and who we really are and who we were. Nobody wants to fight no more. Nobody wants to fight hard anymore. They want to say, oh, we're the Cowboys. Tell me how good I am. Check out my Instagram posts. See me on my podcast. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm everything without doing anything. And everybody's patting them on the back. People want to give them so much without doing nothing. And what they're living off of is what happened in the past, not what's going down right now. D. Wood, I've been waiting all morning to see your reaction to those words from the great Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith is preaching that gospel. He was <laughs> preaching that gospel right there because I feel like so much of what, all, all those guys that play with that star is from what it, from the, what Emmett Smith and those guys did during that time. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many benefits that come with playing with the star on your helmet. Are you willing to sacrifice and put in the work? To really get the things that you want, that you really want. That's what Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, all those guys that played in that dynasty in the 90s, they put in the work. And now all these guys are reaping the benefits of what those guys did over two decades ago. The, the Dallas Cowboys today hasn't done a doggone thing to deserve what they got going for them right now. Yeah, they got, we, we talk about them all the time because they are the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. They haven't won anything. They haven't been to a championship game. Literally, they are 5-13 and 13 since the last time they won a Super Bowl back in 1995. I was graduating high school in 1995, <laughs> and these guys are still benefiting from what the triplets and all those guys did back then. They got some soul searching, too. That's why, like, we got a topic about Mike Zimmer. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, hiring Mike Zimmer is not going to move the needle because this thing is institutional when we talk about the Dallas Cowboys. And, and that is that was well worth the wait on my part. What do you think of that one, Harry Douglas? 
Uh, well, we said Emmett Smith was preaching the gospel. Well, Big Woody was speaking in tongues. Shabala Honda. Speaking tongues, Woody. Speaking tongues, my man. <laughs> I love every bit of it because what the Dallas Cowboys seem to have forgotten is the main thing. That's how we start our show off every um, Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. on Freddie and Harry. The main thing is the main thing. And until the Dallas Cowboys start focusing in, focusing in and holding in on the main thing, we're going to continuously see everything that has happened to this football team since the last time they had a Super Bowl appearance you know Tim it's fascinating to me because it's one thing for you know some dope like me to sit here and say you know the podcasts and the social media and all that kind of stuff that should be the um, those should be the, the benefits that you reap from your success I, I have no issue with players taking advantage of all the opportunities that come with success the problem is in Dallas, they have the ability to put the cart before the horse. The star comes before the stardom, and that's what we're seeing. So Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb and all these guys, great players, every one of them. But they're treated like they are legendary Super Bowl champions, even though they haven't actually accomplished anything. And that, I think, is part of the issue here, Tim. There's no question about it, because, look, no one has an issue that Travis Kelsey has a successful podcast, right? Because they're winning, right? Like, like that, like that's the difference. I think that's you know kind of what Emmett is saying. Look, you have success, like, or you're CD Lamb and you're wearing number eighty-eight. Like, you, you aren't Michael Irvin. Like, you're wearing his old number, but but you're not him. And so, like, let's stop acting like it. I, I think that look, winning cures a lot of things, a, and and they haven't won, and so. Because of that, now all of a sudden we're talking about Instagram and podcasts with the Dallas Cowboys because they haven't done it. Like, has that been the distraction? I don't believe that it has. But I do think, like some of the comments that we heard, like from Demarcus Lawrence during Super Bowl week about, hey, their legs were tired at the end of the season. I think it at least raises some eyebrows about the mental toughness, whether you want to call that culture or not, but the mental toughness of this football team and how does that get fixed and does that start at the head coach does that start above the head coach because to Damian's point like I don't think it's necessarily just about the defensive coordinator because whether it's Dan Quinn or Mike Zimmer that's not going to be the difference for this football team yeah the coordinator the coordination of their defense last year whether you had questions about it or not we're not the reason, and certainly not the sole reason, that everything went as sideways as it did. We'll leave that there. There'll be more on that as we go. But first, D, well, what team in basketball do you like to root for? Those Lakers. Well, let me show you a little something last night. Let me check out who had some serious flavor last night, which is brought to you by Hidden Valley Range. The Lakers, no LeBron, no problem last night. Anthony Davis stepping up in a big way for L.A. Look at this. He had 37 points. Big fella. See, that's you know what? That's the AD I want to see consistently. Every night, I want to bring that type of energy. He had 37 points, 15 rebounds. Lakers beat the Jazz by 16. Again, without LeBron, they go into the All-Star break having won six of their last seven. We have a lot more to say about them as we continue next. I'll put together a basketball squad to dive into them. The offseason pressure cooker is on the way in the NFL right now. I've got the list of the top five teams that have to win Ooh. this offseason. That debate is just heating up. And then Steph and LeBron together could have happened. Did LeBron make a huge mistake staying in L.A.? Is there still hope for them to team up next year? The answers are next. Get up on ESPN.
Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We're back, bottom of the hour here on Get Up. And one little eye candy. Hey, D-Wood, is there anyone who puts up a stat sheet like this young man? Zion Williamson last night in a Pelicans win over Washington had 36 points. Listen to this. He shot 15 of 21 from the floor. He's <laughs> 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 this. When, when he's right, there is just no one in the world quite like him, right? Yeah, he's just a unique player. And think about it, Greeny. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but the way his ability to play within that, you know, within the paint area is just unbelievable. Absolutely. And if he was trying to get to the quarterback, could you stop him? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. That's a big joke. He right would there. have made an awfully good defensive end. <laughs> All right, D. Wood, stay close by. Let's get to some basketball. Oh, Monica's up early with us from Indianapolis. So let's play a game that we like to call Is That McNuts? Hey, Monica, if I said the Knicks are legitimate contenders to win the East, is that McNutt's? Greeny, it is not McNutt's. I think when you look at, okay, first of all, we have to have the conversation about health. And even if Joel Embiid does return for the Philadelphia 76ers, he's going to need some time to run up. If the Knicks get healthy, to me, they are the deepest team in the Eastern Conference in terms of their ability to challenge the Boston Celtics. They can defend, and they've added additional scoring to their bench. Absolutely. And Monica, keeping a close eye on them every night. Next, if I said the Clippers are the best team in the league, is that McNutts? I do not think that's McNutts. Check out this stat courtesy of Hembo Greeny. Clippers are 28-7 and seven since December 1st. That's the number one offense in the NBA. They're shooting 51, 41, and 84. This team has the balance of command and pressure on both sides of the floor that I have not seen from another team. Give the credit where it's due. From the moment they got James Harden, they've been unbeatable. Finally, if I said LeBron James could be playing with Steph Curry next season, is that McNutts? I think the 
this is a little McMets greenie. Outside of the All-Star game, again, I just don't really see this one unfolding. And our buddy Brian Windhorst continues to remind us that Brian has oh, a casual 50 mil and change waiting if he continues to stay in a Lakers uniform. I think at this point in his career, while winning is still important, I think it's a bigger picture for King James. I don't think there is a bigger picture possibility out there than these two megastars teaming up just one time. Zach Lowe is ready to go as well. First, let's hear from Steph. Last night, he commented for the first time on the reports yesterday that the Warriors did check in with the Lakers about LeBron James. Here's what Steph said. Obviously, a guy like LeBron, who's, you would probably call just to see. I don't know what the depths of those conversations were, but uh, that was a nice little surprise this morning. For sure. All right, so that's what he said. So look, Zach, you and I have talked for years. You know I don't like super teams. I've been against that. I like the direction the league is going and everything else. And yet, I will confess that my reaction to this not happening is one of at least some disappointment. To see these two great stars, the defining stars of their generation, ending their careers, at least in this moment, on teams that have no chance of accomplishing, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, no chance of accomplishing anything of consequence. To see them team up at the very end, there's something about it that I, I in spite of myself, I would actually love to see. Zach, yell at me if you will. You're getting soft, Greeny. Soft. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. These two have been great rivals their entire career. All those finals together. And now, Greeny, in his old age, is getting soft and wants to see them team up. Come on. I like to see them apart. But look, you can't blame the Warriors for trying. And I'll tell you this, Greeny, despite what Rich Paul said to Stephen A. Smith yesterday, despite everyone saying LeBron wants to remain a Laker forever and ever, I don't think the Warriors are done trying because, like Steph said, why not pick up the phone and keep on trying? Monica, let's just live in a fun world where this happened. And I'm going to get Zach to go through some of the other possibilities. But let's just live in a world where this actually happened. Could the combination of Steph, LeBron, Draymond Green, and whatever else they would put around them, because I'm not sure exactly what would have to go into a trade, would that be enough to contend for a championship in the NBA, let's say, next season? So, Greeny, that's my next burning question. If we're going to be tantalized with this, I need a little bit more details. Because in theory, a starting five of Steph, LeBron, Draymond, Kaminga, and I'm just going to go with Brandon Pajemski, who's been playing great ball. I don't know if all those pieces are still going to be there. Yes, it looks fantastic. But we also get into real concerns about the depth of said team, and particularly at this stage of both Steph and LeBron's career. Yes, they are tremendous, but you still, again, as we continue to say, would be asking a lot of them in order to just get it done. All right, Zach. So, so LeBron and Rich Paul sort of putting a stop to this as they did was interpreted by some as LeBron making a commitment to staying in L.A. Um, but I know that there are many who also don't feel that way. So let, let's live in a world where we get to this coming summer and the Lakers have been in the play-in or so, something where they didn't make like a significant run. Do you think that LeBron will be in play? If so, if his primary objective is to win a championship, of all the realistic places he might go, where should he be looking? 
Well, look, primary objective to win a championship, you open up the whole league and then you ask yourself how much of a salary cut would he be willing to take? He's got that $51 million player option for next season with the Lakers. The minute he signs that, he's a Laker, unless he decides he has to be traded otherwise, which is a different story. Philly, with all that cap space and Joel Embiid sitting there, is the most natural fit for if he just wants to have the best chance of winning a championship, that's the dream scenario for the Sixers and his best shot maybe at winning a championship. But look, the Lakers are rolling right now. They're good. They have three picks to trade this summer. LeBron knows that. He's probably expecting them to go try and get another big-name player. And I've said all along, if he has his druthers, he wants to remain a Laker. And the last thing I'll say is this, Greeny. I think we're all missing the forest for the trees a little bit on this. This story is completely different if the Lakers do not have that bubble championship under their belts. That changed everything for LeBron. He's secure. Yes, he's too short of Jordan. He knows that. But he came to L.A. and he got a title. And I don't think he necessarily is going to approach his future with like, I got to win, I got to win, I got to win. He proved what he is with the Lakers. I th- that's that's reasonable. Hist- history will show that he won a championship with the Lakers. There are people who like to downplay it now because of the bubble and the extenuating circumstances. I won't change my take from what I said at the time. They deserve every bit the, the amount of credit that a team that wins any other championship, if not more, based upon, because I was here covering that thing every day and so were you guys. Th- those circumstances required great leadership and everything else. They were once in a lifetime, we certainly hope. And, and so that champion should not be discounted. That said... Zach, if he's got two years left of of whatever, I mean, he still sort of feels like he's playing in his prime. You don't think that that he wants to be in a place, maybe I'm just putting myself in his position, that he has a legitimate chance to win a championship? Like, that wouldn't be high on the list of priorities? Greedy, you got to remember, this is LeBron James, arguably the greatest player in the history of the sport. He thinks he alone is a legitimate chance to win the championship if yeah. the team that he's on just does enough to surround him with the right pieces. And the Lakers have done enough to get him to a championship and a conference finals in the last four seasons. And we'll see how this season ends up because I like the way they're playing right now. We'll see where they go. And then they have the assets to really remake their team this summer. And then you got to tell me what's the team. We can sit here and talk about this Warriors thing, which for now is a fantasy. The Warriors are 500 right now. If you flip AD for Steph Curry as LeBron's best teammate, we haven't even talked about, like, what are the Warriors trading for LeBron James? Yep. What's left over? I know it's tantalizing. It's exciting to think about Steph running around and throwing alley-oops to LeBron. How much better is that team than his current Lakers team? That, that, that's a legitimate question. Uh, let me bring the guy. Both D. Wood and, um, and Harry Douglas are dying to get in on this. So, so that they were both yelling <laughs> at me in the, pro, the pre-show meeting today. Harry, again, whose brother is a longtime NBA player and, and, and still playing overseas. I said... I want to see LeBron James and Steph Curry play together at the end of their careers. Harry Douglas, what did you say to me in the meeting this morning? Hell no. I don't want to see that. You talk about two pillars, two staples in NBA history. Two guys that really changed the game of basketball. I I want to see them as competitors. Going all the way back to the 14-15 season and Steph Curry and company winning their first championship to only follow that up 
with one of the best records of the best record of NBA history before falling in the finals, blowing a 3-1 lead to LeBron. Then the next two years, you get KD and the Warriors and Steph Curry and company, they win back-to-back championships. Then you go to 2020-2021, a uh, play-in situation, LeBron defeats Steph Curry. We also seen it in the playoffs last year in the second round. And then last but not least, we just seen two Saturdays ago on ABC, a game going overtime and those two guys competing at the highest levels. I don't want to see those guys on the same team. I want to see competition, man. He would. You're a Laker fan. You're a LeBron fan. Tell me. Man, when you told me this morning, I'm like, what the heck? What? Like, <laughs> what are we talking about here? And to answer your question, I'm with hair. Hell no. I don't want to see LeBron and Steph on the same team. I just don't. Like, I'm old school. Like, I want to see Guys competing against one another. And, and like Zach talked about, the Lakers are playing playing some really good ball right now. We're set up pretty well going to summer. Nah, I'll squash all that talk. That's just, you know what, Green? That's just you stirring the pot. That's, not me that's you, that's you just stirring the pot right Yell now. Yell at Woj and Ramona. <laughs> I didn't stir anything. And they're the ones doing the story. McNutt, really quick, I'm running out of time. Am, am I McNutts? Go ahead. You can, feel free to tell me I'm McNutts if you think I'm McNutts. I, I don't think. I don't think you're McNutts, and I kind of disagree with those guys. We've seen them compete over the course of their careers. Listen, I don't love it because I'm with Zach. It doesn't make a ton of sense in my mind when you really get into the minutia of it all. But if it happened, sign me up. I'd watch. Let's go. None of my good ideas make sense. I mean, if, if, that, if that's what you're, if that's the standard you're holding me to, then that's almost impossible. All right, everybody stay close. Zach and Monica will have more from you as we go. In the meantime, we are less than a month away from the start of NFL free agency. I've got the definitive green list right this moment of the top five teams that must win the next month. Don't miss it next. Before Coco Golf, Francis Tiafo, Naomi Osaka, and Christopher Eubanks, two names, Althea Gibson and Arthur Ashe, defined the archetype of a black tennis star. In 1956, Gibson emerged as the first ever African American to win a Grand Slam tennis title. And by 1975, Ashe became the first black man to win both the U.S. Open and Wimbledon. So put some respect on their names because Althea and Arthur set the stage for Venus and Serena to a new age of black players in tennis today. And we are back on Get Up. And today's green list as we dive headlong into this NFL offseason. And we're about three weeks in change from the start of free agency. I'm going to give you the definitive list of the top five teams under the most pressure to get it done this offseason. And it starts at number five with the Buffalo Bills. That sound that you hear off in the distance coming from the neighborhood of Orchard Park, New York, is the sound of a window closing. If not now, when? If Josh Allen wasn't going to finally knock off the Chiefs this past year when he had them in their building and had everything right, when's it going to happen? They need a retooling and they need to do it quickly around Josh Allen's contract. The Bills are under pressure. The Cowboys have to get things done. They're at number four. Dak Prescott's contract looms over everything. Forget about what people are saying on their ridiculous podcasts. At the end of the day, Dak Prescott holds the key to their future. Do they redo his contract? Does he decide he wants to walk away? The Cowboys have a lot of things to clean up, and they all surround their quarterback at number four. At number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a win-now team. The owner has said it. 
Mike Tomlin has essentially acknowledged it slash said it, and they don't have a quarterback. Do they go after Justin Fields? Do they give up what they need to to get him? Do they sign Russell Wilson or someone else? Do they draft someone? They have a huge decision ahead of them. At number two, the New York Jets, remember them? About a year ago at this time, they were the team everyone was talking about. And by the end of the season, they became the team everyone had forgotten. At the end of the day, they've got to get the offensive line right to give Aaron Rodgers a chance to rescue the disaster that they became. It's either Aaron getting it done in front of a completely rebuilt offensive line, or this thing is going down immediately. And then at number one, the Chicago Bears, let's face it, they control this draft. Assuming they do what we all think they're going to do, and that is trade Justin Fields, they will have so many picks in the first two or three rounds of this draft, and they will also be making a critical quarterback decision, one that will be scrutinized for the next decade. Did they get it right? Does Fields become a star? Does Caleb Williams become a star? The Bears have all the pressure in the world on them, and it begins when they make that decision at quarterback. Tim Hasselbeck, I will start with you. Those are the top five mm. teams, in my view, under the most pressure this offseason for the variety of reasons that we see. What do you think? Yeah, I like your list. Um, look, I think anytime you go from a guy that you draft to the top of the first round, you know, near the top of the first round, and you're trying to reset a quarterback, you're going to be there. I'm glad you had the Jets on there because they felt like they were all in a year ago. That obviously didn't work out. And so now you've got to go all, you know, probably even more all in if that's possible. And then, you know, I guess the only thing I would say is like Pittsburgh, I don't feel necessarily that being the case for them. There's been so much success there. The team I maybe would swap for Pittsburgh would be the New England Patriots. I mean, they essentially, you know, fired the, the you know, best coach that we've ever seen, gone with one of his understudies, and they have so many questions on that roster. So I think New England is in a really tough spot, and I probably would swap them out for Pittsburgh. I understand what you mean. However, I think the level of pressure on them is completely different. The Patriots might be the worst team in the entire National Football League. If not, they're awfully close. And almost any level of success, I think, would be deemed a step in the right direction. The Steelers, I think, are thinking Super Bowl thoughts. They are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. The question is, can they get the quarterback right? Is that quarterback Justin Fields? It would not be the Steeler way to trade significant draft capital to get a quarterback. And that's what it's going to take to get Justin Fields. Do they try Russell Wilson? And Tim, I agree with what you said earlier this morning. I'm not 100% sure teams want him, but he could come so inexpensively, maybe that's the answer. They have the 20th pick. Do they take a quarterback there? Do they decide they're going to hand this team over to Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix? Those are big decisions in a division where you're dealing with Lamar Jackson, you're dealing with Joe Burrow. They're thinking Super Bowl thoughts in Pittsburgh. They've got to get the quarterback thing right. D. Wood, what do you think about the teams under the most pressure? Um, I, I really, uh, I really agree with your list. I like your list a lot. Um, you focus know, on one. Where's the what? What, what do you focus in on? Uh, what? Well, listen, a, a couple. I, I think it, uh, as far as the steel is concerned, I like that one because all the talk that we heard about Mike Tomlin, would, would you know, would Mike Tomlin would, would even be coming back this year? And if you listen to a lot of people in the, you know, so whether you're talking about Steelers fans or just who follow the Steelers, people are like getting impatient about Mike Tomlin. The Steelers, you know, they, they feel stagnant. They need to make a move. They need to, they need to bring some juice this offseason to kind of 
propel the Steelers into you know the conversation that we're having with some of these other elite teams in the AFC. So I, I so I like that one. And then as far as the Bears are concerned, listen, we see the other teams in that division, right? Detroit Lions were in that NFC Championship game. The Green Bay Packers are coming. They're going to be a trendy pick, this, you know, coming up next season mm-hmm. to be one of those teams. Chicago has all the ammunition to say, hey, don't forget about we're here. Yep. We're, we're coming. We saw the moves. We saw the, how they improved defensively. If they make the right moves this offseason, the Chicago Bears are going to be right in the mix of the NFC North as well. Not only that, but they have, Harry, they are in the position, the kinds of things that general managers are remembered for forever, right? In the same way, when you decide Bill Polian made a decision to take Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf once upon a time, he will forever be remembered for that. If he'd gone the other way, he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame today. The Bears are essentially going to choose between Justin Fields and, let's just say for the sake of this discussion, Caleb Williams. Well, if they choose wrong, which will be determined in the eyes of the public by how well their guy does relative to how well the other guy does, then that's the kind of thing that sticks with you forever. To me, Harry, that's where the pressure comes from. Yeah, 100%. And we've seen this football team in 2017 not make the right decision. 2022, they had the number one overall pick, and they traded it back uh, for Carolina to have that option as well. And we've seen how well C.J. Stroud has done for the Houston Texans. So, And I, and I mentioned C.J. Stroud because, hey, potentially you could have took him at number one if you would have had the number one overall pick and wouldn't have traded out of it. So for the Chicago Bears moving forward, you got to get this right with number one overall. Personally, I feel like it should be Caleb Williams. And I put together a video, Greeny. I want y'all to see some plays from Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. This is him as a freshman now. This is fourth and one. This is his freshman year at Oklahoma. He came into the game, not the starter. Uh, Cole is all outdoors. Fourth and one, had to make a play. Broke three tackles, took it to the house for a touchdown. Here's another one. A perfect pass to Marvin Mims. Steps up in the pocket, throws it off one leg. But look at the ball placement of Mm. this football. Well, only his guy can make the catch. And then last but not least we've seen this one last year hey instincts i still got the ability i'm not going in panic mode i'm gonna still look downfield hit my guy uh for a touchdown so i believe it should be caleb williams drafted number one overall because i believe he's a franchise changer and also can change your culture but the instincts and when it's time to go off script you need a guy that can be dynamic and make things happen more so than you just drawing it up every time and making it happen. That's fair. Look, and most people feel that way. And, Tim, I know you're a huge believer in Drake May. But what the point I'm making is whatever decision they make, if Justin Fields goes to Atlanta and wins two Super Bowls and, and you know, becomes a perennial Pro Bowl player and, and you know, winds up being the all-time great, you know, that we, some of us think he has a chance to be. All-time might be a bit of a stretch, but you know what I mean. Winds up being a great player. That's where the pressure comes from. And I'll leave it there. We'll come back and talk about this more as we go. Coming up is the key to the future, a return to the past, a Dallas legend sounding off about the state of the Cowboys. You'll hear why next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Thank <laughs> you.